about the wanderers in all gold and black You better retreat cause we're on the attack The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back Hello everybody, welcome to episode 305, it's 3, it's 0, it's 5, it's the Ines Wolves Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Judah, delighted to be joined by Ever, sponsored by Kill and Toaster Man, Mr Liam Keane. Liam, come in, baby. How are you my friend, what's going oh. on? What's new? Um, I'm alright mate, I'm alright. I'm, I'm, you I'm sound getting, it. I'm getting over it, I'm getting over it. <laughs> you I'm don't sound over, it. I was, I, I was... I was angry. I was angry on Monday. Tuesday, uh, still fuming. Wednesday, had a, had a walk with the dogs. Um, day off yesterday. I uh, went to Henley and Arden, got an ice cream there, lovely, and started to started to mellow a little bit. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm in a good spot. I'm in a good spot, mate. How how are you? Did you uh, Did you enjoy our our little little romantic lunch for two on on Monday night before before the craziness happened? I did. It was it was lovely. You took me to a place I'd not been before, and that's uh, speaking of the location. Not, 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 <laughs> Come on, mate! Not, not, not even a minute in. I can't help it. It's just too oh. good. Um, yeah, it was lovely. I mean, it was it was pretty close to uh, well because we we as we discovered on the potty, you know, a few months back, we uh, you know our houses are actually quite close. So they are. Um, it was sort of just in between, a little bit closer to yours. Obviously, you can't drive too far away. Um, <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> Bloody drove me to Manchester and back, you little guest. I know, you're a good lad. Um, and it was lovely, very nice. Despite the fact that the replies to your picture that you tweeted out were, first of all, take the mick out of you for not having chips. True. S- secondly, um, describing me as looking like I was being taken hostage. <laughs> so, <laughs> Father uh, and some lunch. Father and some lunch, exactly. Yeah. I mean, people must, uh, I've said this to you before, people must wonder... What's going on? I mean, we we I mean we talk about work a lot when we're around each other anyway. But I think yeah. we do it we do it more when it's those kind of scenarios because people are questioning what's going on here. <laughs> I think I think I think it's a go to this season, you know, because I think with away games and we try and travel together when possible, or if we're in London and and you're staying close by, we'll we'll go for a little bit to eat before, and we both love our food. Um, I think I think that's got to be the go to now. Forget about the the pre match. Uh, food at Molyneux. If we if we meet before, and it's got to be um, a proudest punch, Liam Keen picture with his with his uh, food in front of him. Right, exactly, and uh, and it was pretty good food as well. So the yeah, punch no, bowl, you... punch bowl in um, Lapworth. I think it's Lapworth. Yes. So yes. anyone who has been or hasn't been, absolutely superb food. Could not recommend it anymore. And we didn't get any discount for saying that. <laughs> I wish we did. Uh-huh. I um I, I promise Rosie we will go for a. A Sunday roast, so um, I hope she, oh, brings yeah. a, hope she brings a credit card, and um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be all good, mate. Oh, uh, do you get the classic? Oh, 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 oh I, don't, I haven't got it. I haven't brought it. I haven't brought it, love. You'll have to just, just, just sub us for a little bit, and I'll sort it out. No, I'll just, out. I'll just do the classic. I'll just, you know, get the calculator out and say that is uh, divided by two. There you uh, go, love. <laughs> I've got. I've got to say, you are definitely better with your money and more um, generous than than Spears, um, who. Bloody hell! <laughs> Saying something. Oh, I mean, he used to open his wallet. Flies used to come out. There were cobwebs rooted in there for years. It was unbelievable. So um, no, it's nice that you like to put your hand in your pocket, and when we nice, nice, uh, get a nice bit of scram, mate, then you're definitely up for it. So, so happy days. Um, before before I get into the nitty gritty, um, I've got to say a huge, and I mean huge, thank you to everyone last week. Obviously, we've had three 
pretty insane podcasts and kind of looking forward to this. Of course, there's plenty to discuss as there is every single week, Liam, but those three were were pretty insane. And last week we have had our third highest ever figures um, or listening figures for the, for the week. Over 33,000 people listened to this podcast last week. 33,000. That's, that's, that's a pretty full mull of you, Liam. I mean, that is, I, I said it to you when we were having that meal, so look, mm. to know that it's pretty much Molyneux is like crazy. You know, when you put it into something that you crazy. can comprehend, something that is actually in front of you, it's, it's crazy. I mean, 30, 31,000 listened to the first minute and gone, crap, <laughs> full <laughs> stop. No, that's only play. some colleagues of ours that have been saying that. <laughs> no, I think we I think we actually, there are stats on that. I think we had about a 90, 92% click rate down to the end, and that was an hour and a, an hour and a half long podcast, so... We really appreciate appreciate obviously the figures at this moment in time. Um, thank you for all the nice comments, and uh, look, we've always said this is one of our favourite parts of the week, um, if not the favourite part. So our little a uh, little family, a little community is growing, and we embrace everybody who wants to come. No, absolutely, absolutely, uh, more the merrier. If we're if we're doing you know half a decent job, then I'll take that. If if people enjoy the the poddy, um, but no, yeah, I mean as you say, so so amazing to hear those numbers but then yeah really appreciate everyone uh you know sticking by us despite the fact that it's been a bit crazy last few weeks it has it has and look uh, the craziness carried on 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 monday night manchester united won wolverhampton wanderers nil bizarre game to analyze really um first of all i've got to say i've never seen a attacking display like that away from home from a wolves team for probably I'm going to say at least two, if not three years. Um, I think we're looking at pre-COVID, really, for a, a complete display. And I know when I say complete display, I guess it's not because they didn't score and they lost the game. But you know, for the for the what the show that they put on under the circumstances over the last seven days, I thought it was nothing short of remarkable and pretty much which is very difficult to say when you've lost a game, united a fan base and a club and the players um, together and the new manager in something that was actually quite special on the evening to, to witness, Liam. No, absolutely. A lot of people have tweeted this to me, and I think quite rightly. It reminded them of the first three games under Bruno. Remember those first three games, losing 1-0, yeah. had 50-odd shots failed to score a single goal. Um, I do actually think the performance, maybe it's recency bias, but I do think the performance of the night was actually better than those performances. But I think it was, it was better for me than going to Leicester under Bruno and lose. This was yeah. this was another beast, really. No, Obviously, absolutely. way better side. And at Old Trafford, first game of the season, with everything that's been going on and the lack of you know signings and new faces. And, and it was it was a real um, show of quality. And I think, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Liam, the players showed what character they've got there. All these question marks over the youth or whether they can be ready or are they getting a little bit downtrodden with all the situation? Will some of them down tools because of all the uncertainty and all the upheaval? And they pretty much showed to shut out the noise and show that these are bloody good players. Definitely. Um, I think it goes back to really what Wolves have been trying to do with this squad and it's the philosophy, it's the kind of characters in the squad and they did a lot of that in January um, obviously, they've lost a, you know, a, a, a number of players this summer as well, but a number of, I think it's fair to say you've, you've lost one real key player in Neves and a few Agreed. players that are on the periphery. You know, I, I think when Julian was saying about 
Um, you know, I've lost all these key players, and that's a little bit disingenuous, to be honest, albeit the depth definitely needs adding to. You know, we can't deny that. But you look at the work that they've done with the squad and what they're trying to create, and I'll reiterate this again. I've said it on the podcast a few times. It's all about these people who really want to play for Wolves. It's people who are desperate to do their best and represent the club, who will battle and fight for the club, young and hungry and all point to prove. This is the same line that I keep throwing out there because it's the kind of signings that, that the club have been looking at and working at and did a lot of work in January to, to bring in. And it makes a world of difference when you haven't got... Now I'm going to have to name a few names. Mm-hmm. You haven't got a Trincao, a Guedes... I, I could go on um, with a few players that look Wolves have made mistakes on players that um, they've relied on on George Mendes players that didn't really want to come in the first place and when they did arrive didn't really apply themselves the way they should have done and you know complete 360 to that Wolves have now got players like Mateus Cunha yes he missed a lot of chances and won absolute sitter in the second mm-hmm. half and he paid 43 million for a player they have to score that so yeah. you can't you can't not criticize him for it but his work rate not just the quality on the ball but his work rate off it i mean he was tracking back into right back left back he was all he covered every blade of grass so for so someone, someone who missed training as well two two training sessions yeah, exactly. you know, which, i mean gary only had three with them or three and a half with them so to miss two and and to come back and and, and put a performance out like that liam was was nothing short of remarkable really. no com- no completely agree he he was um absolutely exceptional i really thought he was and and it's as i say not just the quality on the ball but it's the effort he puts in off it it's the yards he puts in his he he wants to play for wolves he wants to do well for wolves he's got nothing but ambition to succeed at this club and that is uh, is testament to him for, for his attitude so completely um you know respect to him really for the way that he's applied himself despite the fact not scoring those goals i could go on as well look at Jao gomez that the whole battle. Oh, you, with him. You're ruining my next section, but carry on. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go for it. Um, can you see how much we uh, prepare this potty and, and how well organised we are? Um, look, Jao Gomez. He's a player who. No one wants scripted notes, mate. They want it to go on no, as it exactly. flows. You know exactly. what I mean? We can talk. We can talk crap for three and a half hours. People will still listen. It's fine. Yeah, at least one or two people, and yeah, <laughs> that, that might be Alana and Rosie if we actually yeah, beg them to listen. No, they're not listening, um, mate. No chance. Well, they're um, not be either. <laughs> Jao Gomez, look, you go back and remember the the whole saga with him signing. It took the whole, pretty much the whole of January. Wolves were trying to get him. Mm-hmm. Leon came in. Then all of a sudden, he wasn't being sold to Wolves because it wasn't the right money. He stuck by his guns. He came to Wolves eventually. He wanted to join Wolves. The campaign that Wolves and the F- Wolves fans were on to sign him played a big part, but he was desperate to join the club. And when someone is that desperate to come and join a single club and <clears> represent <throat> that club, fight for that club, that's the kind of performances you're going to get out of him. I mean, I know Wolves have put some videos out in the, in the days after the game as well, but some of his ball retention, some of his transitions, some of his tackle, I mean, he was all over the shop in a good Insane. way. <laughs> in a good in, way. Yeah. He was. At, he covered every single blade of grass again, same with Cunha. And players like Casemiro, who has won, what, four or five Champions Leagues, could not live with Jao Gomez. Not on, even on close. Not, not even close. Could not, Embar- could not embarrassed. Honestly, I thought Casemiro actually got embarrassed on a few occasions by Jao Gomez, um, and he definitely was the better player in that pitch. And like you say, that just shows the talent, but also the potential of this guy. And 
with the whole free Jao Gomez and bring it and coming to a club, he's he's automatically endeared himself as a fan favourite. But just his personality, just how he is in and around Compton, the nature of the way he plays his game, the goal that he scored on debut coming, you know, at Southampton, everything about it um, says to me, and and in Mateus Cunha as well, by the way, who obviously had a difficult season, but you look at the way that he did the lap of honour at the end of last season and his family and him in front of the South Bank and everybody enjoying and he jumping up and down um, there's a real engagement there and this is definitely a new type of of player of squad of 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 athlete and I feel like these are the type of players that fans are going to identify with and become the new fan favorites we've lost of course you know your jotters and your nevises and your mutinios but I feel like this is a new generation that that can excite that should be here for a long time to come no well, I completely agree and I think you can go through different members of that squad as well. I mean, we'll be here forever going through everyone, but I could mention Lamina as well. I mean, someone who... Stop nicking my bloody next <laughs> section. Oh, God. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm not doing this deliberately. I can leave Lamina if you like. We'll come back to him. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, good about the ugly, so I want you to pick up maybe one of your one of your favourites of the night who you haven't mentioned. I know you've mentioned about nine players, but if you've got one left, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You want the good, I will give you Lamina. Is that, is that okay. making it easy for you? Yeah, yeah, go okay. on then, go on Let's then. go for him, let's go for him. Look, he's a player, what is he, 29 now? Mm-hmm. Um, was that Southampton? Obviously, Juventus previously, but you know, coming to the Premier League at Southampton. <laughs> what? And I'll tell you sounds, what, the dog's like Mario Lamina. That sounds vicious. <laughs> you can't say that we're not professional guys. Look, you listen to this podcast. I'm on, got, baby. We've got Judas dogs going mental. Well, I work, I'm work, I work from home mainly. You're, you're, you're on your day off. I mean, they're, they're getting what they're given. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, look, I don't want to mention I was on a day off, but yes, the commitment's there. I know. Oh, here we go. You, you, you didn't have go. to bring it up. You didn't have to bring it up. But yeah, well, anyway. he's looking to go over 10 grand in that pay rise. It's to, to 11 and a half. It'd be lovely, wouldn't it, if anyone's oh, listening in? Can't wait. I might actually get my house then. That I'm doing trying to know. Um, <laughs> let's not go there. Yeah, let's not go there. I could be here all day. So, um, yeah, Lamina. Look, he, he, what, 29 now, I think he's came in, obviously, the Premier League at Southampton, obviously had a loan to ballot at Fulham, etc. I think by, I've said this on the podcast before, but by, by his own admission, I think he was, um, <laughs> how do I phrase this in a polite way, um, a bit of a silly boy in his earlier days when he was in the Premier League. He, he bit was, of a douche. Um, yeah, yeah, a bit of a douche is a good way of putting it. He, he wasn't maybe the the best of characters to work around. I mean, I'm mm. sure there'll be other players that will say differently about them, got on really well with him, but as a whole, I think he uh, has matured a lot since he um, left the Premier League and has come back. Uh, obviously, he's got you know a young family and mm. uh, moving back to, to the area and he was desperate to, I think, play in the Premier League and desperate to prove himself. Look, clearly a very, very talented player. Um, didn't quite reach the talent that I think everyone expected him to. So now, later in his career, he's, uh, or, you know, he's in his prime, but of course, you know, coming towards his 30s, someone who probably needed to prove a few people wrong. And he's done exactly that, I think, in a Wolf shirt. He's had bad games. Of course, he has bad moments in games. But for the, I don't know, 90% of last season, when he joined in January, I thought he was mm-hmm. excellent. And alongside Jao Gomez, I thought he was a really good buffer in front of the back four. So tenacious in the tackle. And overall, just a real thorn in the United side again. There's so much energy in that midfield. And um, and with those two, yes, look, they, they wear their heart on their sleeves, him and Jao Gomez. Um there's going to be yellow cards. There's going to be red cards. I think, if I'm being brutally honest, with, with these two this season, but I would rather two players in that middle of that park that are going to 
be full-blooded, be fully committed, and maybe make a mistake or two, but put in performances like they did at United more often than not. And and I thought he was superb as well. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it with their energy as well. the energy was insane. And and the, the I would love to see the stats of how much. So maybe we can get hold of that between now and the next podcast. But the amount of ground that they covered um, in that game was was crazy. And they 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 outran Man United throughout that ninety minutes or ninety seven minutes. It was um it was a superb display. I'll I'll pivot slightly and go to Nelson Semedo, who I know that you picked out as well, Liam. But someone who we said at the beginning beginning of this season needed competition. And he got that competition with Doc returning to the club. And we both kind of said, look, he will definitely start, almost certain to start, as we expected. Lockwood's going to pick him, I'm pretty sure. And it was pretty much, I'd I'd say, and we'll discuss about, you know, how much of that was a Lopetegui side, how much of that was a Gary O'Neill side later on. But that was pretty much what we expected to see on Monday night, should should Julian have been in charge. Um, and that was starting Nelson Semedo. Now, what we did say is his position was under threat pretty much straight away as soon as Doc came into this football club. He has had some excellent performances, but he's also had some very mediocre performances. And there's probably only one period, I would say, while he's been at this club, which is what? How many, how many years now? Is it three seasons? Yeah, this is his fourth season. His fourth season, season now, coming it? into it now. Yeah, so yeah. three complete seasons. And I would say there's only once where he's put a bit of a run together where he was playing very good football. There were some mistakes, and I think a lot of those got eradicated, actually, second half of last season. But that consistency wasn't there. Now, this is one game, and it's only one game. But I thought that Nelson Semedo had probably, I would say, definitely in his top three, if not his best game in a Wolves shirt, I thought he was sensational on the night. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was defensively sound. I thought his positioning was excellent. He worked back. He backtracked. He supported when needed. This is the Nelson Semena that we've been hoping to see. Now, like I said, it's only one game. However, I think that that level of having someone breathing down your neck, ready to take any kind of a spot, if there's any kind of mistake, can only help Nelson Semena this season. I hope, Look, I hope, and I'm sure Wolves fans hope, that he's the number one this season. Because if he is, it means that he's playing exceptionally well. And that was a really good, good, solid performance that should have given him, and I know you spoke to him after the game, Liam, a lot of confidence going forward into Brighton on Saturday. Yeah, I'd like to think so, because, yeah, he's, he's a player who has been inconsistent, hasn't he? Particularly for the price Wolves paid for him, and, and coming from Barcelona, you know, Portugal International and hasn't quite worked on a whole for him at Wolves. And, you know, having spoken to him a few times now, and obviously, as you say, after the game the other night as well, uh, he's a kind of, you know, likeable character, the kind of ambitious character that wants to do well at Wolves, but sometimes things just don't quite fall into place. Um, I think I've maybe rated him a little bit higher than a couple of the people have over the years, but you have to say inconsistency has been his biggest downfall. And... I think you could, you see in that United performance exactly why Wolves paid that money. Now, as you rightly say, he cannot just dine off a United performance now for the rest of the season. It has to be a consistent thing that he, he carries on into Brighton and beyond. But he was dangerous going forward. He completely marked Garnacho out of the game. You're a massive fan of, aren't you, Garnacho? You think he's an excellent player? <laughs> I said to the, said this on the way to the stadium. I said it inside the stadium. I said it before the kickoff. I said it during the game. I don't get it. I mean, I think he's the most overrated player just because he fits in his name into a song. Like, yeah, he's got some skills and he'll score the old goal, but crikey. 
He's nothing. He's he's nothing special, honestly. He really isn't. And you can clip it. You can send it to all the Man United fans and fanzines out there. But I'm not having him. I think he's. I think he's fine. He's okay. I wouldn't. I tell you what. I wouldn't swap a few of the Wolves players for him. That's for certain. But because he's got a fancy foreign name and uh, you know he plods about and he scored a couple of goals in the FA Youth Cup. Great, happy days. He scored one in the Premier League against Wolves last season <laughs> oh, in the 94th God. minute. Or whatever. Oh God, give me strength. Carry on. I really hope, as long as it's not a detriment to Wolves, that he goes on and wins the Ballon d'Or now. There's <laughs> absolutely it, no chance. It doesn't matter if it's 10 years from now, I'm never going to forget this conversation. You can't hit a barn door, let alone the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> That's poor. You're better than that. No, you're not. I'm you're not. not. You're not at all. I'm not. Not at all. I'm not. Um, moving on from the guy that show. Yeah, uh, yeah look, Samedo absolutely marked him out of the game. I think he, he, he kept up, you know, we know he's got pace, Samedo, but he kept up stride for stride with every winger, whether it was Garnaccio or Rashford pushing off to the left, whoever it might have been. Um, he kept strive for strive with everyone. I think there's a couple of question marks over the goal. I think Dawson stepped out, maybe left Semedo a little bit isolated. Um, we know he's not been the best defending at his far post, uh, particularly when crosses come in. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put the you know the whole blame of the goal on him or, or even a big part of it to be honest. It was it was a really good performance. I was really impre- impressed with him and, and I'm pleased for him as well and I hope that he carries that on now because we've seen this before and unfortunately some stinkers have followed. <laughs> so I just hope yeah. that isn't the case. Well, I see. So it's only one game, but you know that's what you want to see, isn't it? No, absolutely. You have to see this consistently now, though. We've got to see it at Brighton to an extent and then we've got to see him now solid. I think of Johnny pre-injury. Johnny was almost a guaranteed 7 out of 10 every week and then occasionally would be 8, 9, 10. He was that good consistently for Wolves. If we can get that out of Semedo... I think that would be a big improvement of what we've seen for him over the last three years. Absolutely. Um, right, let's move on to, to the bad and the ugly together, I guess. Um, before I, I begin this, I know that, Liam, um, next Tuesday you're in court at four o'clock um, in, in Birmingham Crown Court. I am as well, both giving witness to the GBH-ABH assault that took place on Monday night, um, on Onana on Sasha Kalajic, uh, as we were witnesses to it. Um, and kind of describing what happened because that was one of the most incredible decisions. And look, VAR is, uh, for, for me, it's an absolute joke. I can't stand it. Um, but I reckon from the howlers and the shockers that somehow the video referees and the referees have managed to managed to come up with over the last two to three years or whenever, however it's been used for now, three years, um, I think that could be in the top three of all time. It's absolutely indefensible. And the fact that they've been suspended on full pay for a game this weekend makes no difference to me whatsoever. No crumb of comfort. Wolves aren't getting anything back. At the end of this season, I wrote in the newsletter yesterday, you know, if that costs Wolves two plays in the Premier League and let's say four or five million quid or, you know, dare I say, let's hope not, you know, the difference between 18th and 17th... Like I say, I don't think it will do. But what are you going to say? Oh, but yeah, but they got they got suspended for a game, or you know they didn't they didn't work the following weekend though. Uh, it makes me it makes me vis- physically sick, and I was visibly and, and physically angry uh, Monday night and Tuesday. I think just not just because of the decision, but because they played so well on top of that, and to not come away with anything. So I think it was a mixture of both. But that was one of the one of the most just brain-dead decisions that I've seen on a football pitch for, for a long time. I mean, let's look at last season very, very, very quickly. 
you've got the Liverpool FA Cup situation where VAR didn't actually work because he didn't have the, the view of Totti's deserved winner. Mm-hmm. You've got the Nunes non-penalty in the uh, in the um, Carabao Cup at Forest when Wolves went out on penalties. You've got Jimenez being taken out by Pope uh, away at Newcastle. I'm sure I'm missing one. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's loads, I'm sure yeah. there's more. I'm top the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing something. And I came into this game. I don't think either of us were even thinking about referees or VAR. I know it was a long time ago. New season, fresh start. Come into it. Don't think of it. Uh, I don't think the referee had a particularly bad game. To be honest, overall, I think um, he was a little bit quick on a couple of yellow cards, a couple of time wasting yellow cards. I thought were maybe a little bit harsh, but nothing major. Mm-hmm. And we see this happen in real time. We've got a really good view of it from the press box. We see it happen in real time. Straight away, me, you, pretty much everyone around us in consensus. You know, I had a, a chap sat next to me as well. Everyone was convinced that's a that's a penalty. I mean, you could oh, tell BBC, you... BBC last behind me were absolutely. They were they were like I could I could hear them saying I don't know who it was. I think it was Danny Mercer or whatever saying everyone in this press box are absolutely dumbfounded with that yeah, decision. You know, and that's coming from it's. It was a bizarre. It was it was incredible. It was incredible to be there and see that. And when we've seen it on the monitor, Liam, before the decision's been made, everyone's like, I mean, I was about to tweet penalty because it was so obvious. No, it was, exactly. There was there wasn't even a there wasn't even a question. There wasn't even like a a chance of a touch or you know a, any kind of like twenty eighty debate. I mean, it was just absolutely nailed on. No, that that was going to be exactly my point. I mean, we, we, we're there watching it in real time, and we are all of us. You know, to a man and woman, absolutely convinced it's a penalty in real time. So the first criticism is how on earth is Simon Hooper not given that? He's got a good view of it. Um, unfortunately, does it come down to goalkeepers having while well, being overprotected? I think that's that's a big part of it. But it's it's clearly a penalty in real time. Um, Gary Neville clearly is going absolutely bonkers and and rightly so. And, and the Wolves bench are all up in arms. VAR's checking it and straight away we we turned to each other and said they're going to give this because we by the time VAR checked it we'd already seen the replay on our screens in front of us as well so from real time then the replays seen it twice different speeds absolutely no doubt that it's a penalty VAR begins to check you hear the announcement over uh, over the tannoy and we're convinced as you say we're pretty much typing our tweets getting ready to say penalty to Wolves 96th minute Huge chance to get what would be a very deserved point, and the check was over incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I'll say. Um, I don't know if they were checking it slightly before the Tannoy announced it. I'm sure that was po- you know, a possibility, but even regardless of that, it was a very very quick check. We see Simon Hooper coming over to the side, and we're straight away. You said to me, he's coming over. He's checking the monitor. And yeah, then he comes over and books Gary O'Neill, yeah. and then and then you hear from the Tannoy. No penalty. I mean, it, you could hear, you could tell from the atmosphere once it happened and once VAR were checking it that every fan in that stadium thought it was a penalty. Oh yeah, that, everyone. Not one person, <clears throat> apart from Tim Howard, who was doing, who was doing some uh, American broadcast. Yeah, I might uh, be a bit in, harsh in on him on the video post match, but I'm sorry, I'm not. Uh, that. I, no, it's it's absolute nonsense. Mm. Um, no one thought that it was not a penalty, and. Simon Hooper in real time and VAR retrospectively did not give it as a penalty and there is nothing but absolute blatant incompetence. It's so incredible how they haven't come to that conclusion and then John Moss, Howard Webb apologise after the game, say it should have been given. 
does Wolves no good whatsoever. Um, Wolves have been robbed from what should have been a point because I, I, you know, of course they've got to score the penalty, but I would have backed. It looked like Fabio was getting ready to, it like to Fabio, take the ball. Yeah. You know, he was he was stood sort of around the the um, around the penalty spot. Like he was. Kunyu was to, off at this time, by the yeah, way. Exactly, that's why. Yeah, exactly. So would, would, would have been him or Kalajic, wouldn't it? And I think Fabio would have taken it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have backed him to score. Of course, there's obviously a chance there. But regardless, it's robbed Wolves of at least the opportunity to mm-hmm. earn a very deserved point. And I think it's just absolutely shocking. And and um, just, to, just to finish, talking about VAR and the way that, you know, you've said you hate it. I've said from the very beginning, I, I would get rid of it tomorrow. Because if we get rid of it tomorrow, yes, we still don't, we don't get to the right decision because Simon Huber still got it wrong. But at least we know the reason why... He, he got it wrong. It was, you know, he's missed it. He's, he wasn't in the right position. It's incom- incompetence on his part, whatever it might be. It makes you feel worse knowing that there's a system in place to come, eventually come to the right decision and they've still not been able to manage it. That's what makes, that's what for me makes it even worse. I would rather get rid of VR tomorrow and just have this conversation every week talking about referees getting it wrong rather than having two, three, four different officials, some of them with very detailed, slow-mo, replays and angles and still getting it wrong that makes me feel even worse about it I think it's so so poor and for Wolves it helps them to no end it's farcical and they did this last season they're going to do it this season Liam there's guaranteed recordings audio recordings and video recordings of exactly every single there's cameras on them every single decision that's made what the interaction is between the the officials between themselves in the video booth um, between them and the referee to come to this decision but that won't come out we're not going to see it come out. No one's going to see it come out. Do you know why? Because they don't want to embarrass themselves in the first weekend. They'll say, well, we've, we've made a stand here. You guys, you three, step down this weekend. Eat your what-sits watching Soccer Saturday, and then we'll come back and it'll all blow over in two weeks' time. Um, for me, name and shame, as in, like, go and let, let's see how they got to that decision. Why can't we? They're all getting video. It's a video assistant referee, you know, and, and a video referee... Let's see what they said. Let's see how they came to that decision. Let's try and understand it. Let's try and see what they saw. But they won't show that. What they'll show is in three weeks' time, an incredibly tight offside call that they might just the margin of the correct decision and they'll show all the interaction between the referee and VAR and the assistant VAR and the communication to see how VAR did a great job. And we'll see all that. We'll see all that on audio. We'll see all that visually because that's what they want to release. But they're not for a cat in hell's chance are they going to release that footage because it's an absolute pathetic disgrace on week one. And yet again, Wolves are the ones who have fallen victim. Yeah, it's all about accountability, isn't it? The reason why um, these these officials now have been given the weekend off, um, I'm sure they're not even that bothered, to be honest. I'm sure they just no, put, their, put, their feet, no. put their feet up for a bit. Um, look, the, the reason why they're being given the, the weekend off is Howard Webb's attempt to you know, have more accountability for for blatant errors. Um, I, I don't think it's going to make a, the blind bit of difference, but I will say it's a it's a very small start. What they now need to be doing is all of the reasons you've just given there. You know, show how you came to the decision first of all. But you, I think there needs to be more than that. I think there needs to be referees mic'd up. I think there needs to be. I think we've seen in the in the women's World Cup um, the referees after VAR being mic'd in the stadium and giving their descriptions uh, or reasons for, for it not being given. Uh, even if they are, at times, they've been slightly vague, but they're still making an attempt to give fans an idea of what's happened. Um, that would be a better start as well. 
Um, I just think it's really poor. And uh, we could go into so many different things about the rules and referees and things that need to change. I mean, even the you know the the added time rule now just you know just stop the clock it, it, you know it's so easily done in rugby why can't they do it in football there's so many different things i just think football is is chasing their tail to try and catch up on and they're doing it in a very shoddy manner and unfortunately it's ruining the game for for fans like you know wolves fans who work hard for their money follow their team and they come uh, on a monday night to, to to manchester awful traffic spent loads <laughs> of money some of them might have had to stay over, I'm sure, with it being a late game. And they get robbed of an opportunity to, to take a point as well. It's it's just really poor from all fronts, really. Look, I get, I get, I get the kind of defence to them to a certain extent. And like you say, Liam, you say it's not an easy job. And, you know, on the, on the video afterwards and, um, and you know, the, obviously the abuse, you know, they shouldn't tolerate some of the abuse. And I get that. And I think, to be honest, like grassroots level, I completely agree. And, and when you're going up the leagues, I, I do agree. But... When you're when you're in inverted commas, the elite referees in this country, and you know people say the world as well. When you're in the elite, when you're not, you know, covering your petrol costs and your food to get to a game, and you're earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a year, because this is what some of these guys are on: hundreds of thousands of pounds a year, plus all your travel, plus your five-star hotels, plus your escorts. When you're when you're doing police escorts, um, I was when, waiting for that one. When, 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 uh, when where do we sign up? Lucky fellas. <laughs> but when you're getting that kind of treatment and you're earning that kind of money, can't, I'm not having just a one game sit out. Like when when like I can't remember the last person who's lost their job. And I'm not trying. I'm not saying people should lose their jobs, but there should be got more accountability there. You know, if you're terrible at your job, Liam. And you're doing it, somewhere, sorry. But if you wow. if you're carrying on and you're making mistake after mistake, shocker after shocker, and you're not learning, but there's no there's no kind of repercussions. Like tell you what, just take a week out, Kino. Take a week out and then come back in. You'll be fine. Like for me, there's got to be more than that, and there's got to be more um, more of a consequence than just having a week off and then coming back into the Premier League. It really it really thinks, I, I genuinely think there needs to be more when you are at that kind of a level. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I've got a, a friend who's um, who's uh, officiated and he's done it at a sort of decent level, um, sort of academy football level and things like that. And um, I spoke to him about this before, about the referee or some officials speaking to the media afterwards. And... He says he doesn't think it would work. He, he doesn't think it would be a good idea. My argument is that you've got to have some sort. Again, it's the word accountability. You've got to have some sort of accountability. Now, are we, do we have every week? If that is the case, they speak to the the media. Do we then have a case of every week they're just apologising and you don't get anywhere? Possibly, but at least we're going to hear the reasoning. At least we're going to they're going to be challenged on why they did A, B, and C and why it may or may not have been a mistake. Um, and, and it's not, it's not, you know, you're not walking into the lines. Then, for the most part, referees are not going to walk into a press conference room or speak to some sort of media, uh, whether it's broadcast or whatever it might be, um, and be completely battered. It's not, you know, things are put to them in a certain way that would allow them to to give their reasoning. It's not, it's not a case of of you know sending them uh, lamb to slaughter. It's it's you know trying to get some accountability of what's happening. I think there's a there's a fear factor there, <clears throat> from, from, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. from the the governing bodies that they're going to get absolutely crucified, and yeah. it's going to lead to to more perhaps social media 
um, attention. For me, I think it will do the opposite. Yes, it will bring more eyes to what they're saying, but it will give them the opportunity to give reasons to it. And I think that um, would be a start as well. But unfortunately, to my earlier point about being behind the times and chasing their own tail, football, for me, is just too slow to adapt at the moment. And the governing body is too slow to adapt. And I don't think... I think Howard Webb is actually doing some good things to try and change it. Um, but picking up the phone every week and apologising to sporting directors is um, is going to get tiresome for a few people. And to be honest, it's tiresome for Wolves already, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, final word on this because we need to move on. Um, I, I do want to say, um, Gary O'Neill said actually that he was on on the um, on the phone to Howard Webb every Sunday, pretty much um, when he was Bournemouth manager about some of the decisions that we're getting and whether that was um, you know top six versus the rest um, and whether they were falling victim to that. So it wasn't just Wolves that were they were on the blower to them. Although I do feel that some of the more obvious errors were were towards Wolves last, last season and, and obviously the top of the table of shocking decisions this year straight away. Um, Ten Hag, when he came in, the fact that he admitted that he didn't think it was a penalty in the most sheepish manner possible <laughs> was absolutely pathetic. Like, the game's gone. Just if you've got a little bit of slice of integrity, just say that. Because if the boot was on the other foot, Liam, and, you know, it's kind of gone now and people have had the agenda and people have moved on and they're not really going to talk about it. But if this was a Manchester United and it, that, that decision was made and it was Saar on Rashford or Man City or Liverpool or whoever... That that would be in that would be the talk of the town. Yesterday, Monday, today, tomorrow, two weeks, three weeks. The managers would be going on about it. They'd be putting the pressure on week after week after week to try and in invert commas even it up. And I'm not going to use the c word corruption that people use because I've never I've never really bought into that. I, I don't I don't agree. I think some of the people are absolutely useless, and I think human error is pretty pretty embarrassingly high when it comes to to these kind of decisions when they've got every single angle going apart from if you're at Anfield um <laughs> but but what I would say and it's the first time I've actually thought this genuinely thought this and that's what I think maybe is part of my anger for the for the, for the 48 hours after this game is I genuinely for the first time genuinely genuinely think if that incident and it was nil nil was at the other end of the pitch I think Man United get that. I really do. I think Man United are given that penalty and that I think makes me makes me more angry than actually the decision itself because I genuinely for the first time after watching this for 3 years think that that would have been the case. I th- I think I think so. I think so. Um you can have 70,000 people out of Trafford screaming for that penalty and I think the referee probably does give it. I think um you've got to be a real strong character not to give it. Um, regardless whether it was a right or wrong decision, and obviously it would have been a right decision if it was the same, you know, the same situation, but the other way around. And um, I just think they, the referees are for the most part too weak and cave in. Um, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really explain why they then didn't give it for Wolves because everyone's screaming for it from a Wolves perspective, and I mean it's an absolute stonewall penalty. But um, I do think at the other end, I think you're right. I think I think it gets given and. Doesn't really give any answers to Wolves, doesn't really help Wolves, but mm-hmm. it's a sad reality. Yeah. Um, right, moving on. Uh, thanks, Anna. Long discussion, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, right. The substitute came on for Wolverhampton Wanderers. We thought maybe, maybe he might start, but he didn't start. Um, Mateus Cunha was, was fit to play, and, and they went with, with Cunha, Sarabia, and Neto. I thought Neto did well, actually, as well on the day, especially in the second half. Um, but uh, Fabio Silva replaced um, Sarabia. Was it Sarabia? 
Am I wrong? No, no, he, he, no he replaced Cunha. Sorry, he replaced Cunha. Sorry, yes, he did. Replaced Cunha late on in that game. And even with the short time he was on the pitch, got away a couple of shots. There were two or three shots. You know, he definitely adds something different. He is that fox in the box. And yes, you know, maybe he could have done a little bit better with one or two if we're going to be, you know, super critical. But those positions, Wolves haven't got a player who can get into those type of positions in the box. He's a poacher. He's going to get on the end of things. He's going to stretch. I always think his positioning has been very, very good as a central striker. And um, I thought, it, you know, we didn't score. But um, I thought, again, another very promising show for the short time that he was on the pitch, Liam. A few people and a few stories circulating afterwards saying that there was still interest in him and that maybe he could leave before the, the end of the window. And you, I know you quashed some of those um, with a tweet you had a couple of days ago. But what's the latest on, on Fabio Silva, the person between now and September the 1st and his hopefully future as a Wolverhampton Wanderers player? Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely a lot of interest in him. I mean, I've been reporting on it all summer. There's lots of clubs that, that want him and it, you know, it looked quite likely he would he would go at some point. Um, a little bit of a, a quick timeline with Fabio. I think um, for him as a person, he needs to feel important, needs to feel like the main man, feel, needs to feel like he's been backed to play regularly and that also the, I suppose, the style and the way in which Wolves are playing is going to lead to him hopefully scoring goals. Um, I think it's fair to say Wolves have not scored a lot of goals in the last couple of seasons and there's a, there's a worry, I think, from the players' point of view and, and you know the people that look after him that he's... Um, in previous styles, regardless of whether he's playing every week, he's still not going to score. So those those are sort of the main issues over him potentially not staying at the club. Um, going through you know the summer and working with Lopetegui, he had gone from a position of wanting to leave to he was coming around to the idea and really had made a decision that he was going to stick around under Lopetegui. I think he was enjoying working with the manager. Um, I think he was he was given a bit more confidence that he was going to be involved. And, of course, Lopetegui leaving is going to leave that up in the air a little bit. Um, in terms of where the player stands before I come on to the club, mm-hmm. uh, he, it's, there's not really either way at the moment. I think it's, it's it's definitely non-committal in terms of what he wants, but it's certainly not an outright, I want to leave. What they need, I think what the player needs and what his people need is maybe some assurances from, from Gary O'Neill. I think they need a conversation with the manager to say, you know, see where he's going to be utilised, how much he's going to be relied upon. And equally, it's also about protecting what is still a 21-year-old player because he came in at 18 and was thrown into it at the deep end, wasn't he? And um, didn't have a lot of protection. In a poor side. In a poor, yeah, exactly. So they're trying to find a a sort of a balance between him playing regularly and hopefully scoring goals and, and enjoying his football and feeling wanted and feeling needed as well as also not being... You know, led down the garden path and just thrown into the deep end. So um, they're trying to find that sort of balance in terms of the player and what he wants and what he needs. But he's always what is been... the what is the middle ground, Liam? What's the middle ground? What do they want? Does he want to be starting every week? Does he just want to be involved? You know, you know, likelihood is is that he'll probably be on the bench on on Saturday again, and that they might go with the same side. But you know, does he want guarantees that he's going to be a first team starter more often than not? Otherwise, I, he wants out. I think more often than not is um, a fair way to phrase it. But I don't think he's, he's he's demanding to play every single minute and start every single game. Um, I think he just need, he, he needs to feel like he's wanted and important and needed. Um, and if Gary O'Neill can provide that and give him assurances that he's going to play and and also you know out, put a plan together for him being involved in a goal scoring. Format. I mean, a lot of that is down to Fabio as well, of course it is, but the, the style of play is important to that. Um, then there won't be any plans for him to 
you know, try and force to leave or want to leave. Um, he's certainly not doing that right now. I think he just needs a bit more, uh, some more assurances. He does, he, he does love the fans, and and you know, he's made that very clear. And the fans have shown him a lot of love. So there is a lot, a lot of good side, signs on that part of it as well. Um, but then, of course, you know, there's a lot of different moving factors when it comes to players and the club's position. Because you know, he's under contract, he's got a long deal till 2026 with a year option till 2027. Um, the club's position on this is, in many ways, more important because he's under contract. If the club don't want him to go anywhere, for the most part, players don't go anywhere. And the club have made it pretty clear now that they don't want him to go. Um, they're not interested in selling him, not interested in loaning him anywhere. They've they deem him important for this season, um, and that's for the full season. And of course, you know, see how we, see how he gets on. But they deem him an important part of the team and a core member of the group that they don't want to don't want to let go. Um, I think Matt Hobbs, you know, he's had a lot of praise from fans, and I think he's done a good job since he's come in. I think he's done quite a good job, from what I've been told, of trying to make Fabio feel important, trying to give him those assurances, particularly with obviously you know uncertainty around the manager. And I think you know the people that look after Fabio and surround him have been quite happy with the way that Wolves have, um, yeah, have put that across to Fabio in the last few weeks and months. Uh, you've now just gotten maybe you know, and this isn't a criticism of Gary Neal because he's only been in the door a few days, so it's nothing to do with that. It's just a case of you know maybe sitting down, having that conversation, and making him feel important, or at least actions speak louder than words, and playing him regularly at the very least. So um, I think Wolves are in a good place to keep him because he's not, as I say, he's not forcing to leave or trying to force to leave at the moment. Um, and he's happy with the fans and, and, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. So um, the club's decision is they don't want him to go anywhere. Now, I will finish this by saying, if a crazy offer comes in, and that's the same with anything in football, then I imagine Wolves would, would at least consider it. But it would have to be crazy, and I think that's very unlikely. The clubs that were trying to sign him were, for the most part, trying to do loans with options to buy. Um, and that's something that Wolves would not be interested in. Okay, and so Gary O'Neill um, has spoken to Fabio already, hasn't he? I mean, he, said he was one of the first people he spoke to. Took him to the took him to one side and had a brief conversation with him, I think. And and like you say, there probably needs to be a little bit more of a longer chat, maybe with him, with his agent, with the way that that, that things are going to work out, the way that he's looking to progress this Wolves side. And I don't think Monday night they've done um, Gary O'Neill and Wolves' side any any. Um, well, it would it would have helped, I think, their cause of keeping Fabio yeah, Silva, regardless of the fact that he came on off the off the bench. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, Liam, then. It feels to me that what you're saying is that bullet to, gun to your head, it looks like um, he'll stay potentially um, after September, um, that he'll be a Wolverhampton Wanderers player. Wolves want that to happen. Would you say that Wolves want that to happen and then and that Fabio's team are still reluctant to completely commit until all options are, are off the table, would you say? Yeah, I think the, the, it's definitely trending towards the, the idea of him staying. Uh, the club's power in this is, is cannot be understated. He's under contract. Mm-hmm. If the club want him to stay. The club don't accept offers. He will stay. Um, it's down to whether the player is going to try and force it or not. The indicators at the moment are that he's not going to he's not going to do that. Um, as I say, it's just it's more about getting assurances from Gary O'Neill and having having those conversations. And that conversation you mentioned there was more of a you know how are you you know nice to meet you very sort of mm. brief conversation in between training. So um, whether that conversation happens sort of formally or whether it sort of happens over time between now and, and the end of the, the transfer window it depends on the way that you know the people work and the way it naturally happens. But and again your style of course as well. But mm. um, it's trending towards him staying. Um, I can't see in my personal opinion. I can't see the player trying to force him leaving now you know he clearly gets on with people in the squad the fans adore him I think he is going to play pretty regularly this season as well 
Um, Wolf seen was a very important member of the squad, so I don't, um, I, I don't see it happening. I don't see him going anywhere. Um, so at this moment in time, Liam, and you say that you know you can never say never, and if there's an, un- an unbelievable offer, they would have to look at that. That comes on. I mean, even just in front of the world audience against Manchester United opening night, people will see Fabio Silva. Um, I think they'll still have more offers, and I'm sure there's got offers coming in for Fabio Silva. But is it fair to say now it would either be a keep or sell and that they would not, under any circumstances, loan him for this season? I know there were a lot of loans talked about, but the way that you're talking here now, there definitely wouldn't be a loan deal that would happen. It would either be, can't turn this down, permanent transfer, which, I'll be honest, they'd probably look at in and around what they got from, if not more, would you say? I, 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 don't, I can't imagine they would take a £10 million hit on the guy. Yeah, I don't think they. No, I definitely don't think they want to do that if they could avoid no, it. No, no, absolutely. So, but would it be a you're staying or you're leaving permanently, and you can we can kind of pretty much rule loan out at this at this moment in time? Yeah, I think earlier in the window when he was, you know, before he really worked at Lopetegui much, and he was trending that he was probably going to go because the player was quite keen, and I think his people were quite keen for him to leave. Um, around that time, Wolves were making it pretty clear that it was, you know, a permanent or nothing. At this point in the window. I'd be gobsmacked if that changed because Wolves, not just from a, a financial point of view in the sense that they're not going to... How, how much are they really going to benefit now at this point in the window? From a footballing point of view, they cannot afford to to let that player go on a loan uh, when, they need to, when they would need to bring a replacement in. Um, that just is not going to happen, I think, at this point. Um if the player really pushed it and the club caved, then of course there's a possibility. But the indications from the club are that they're absolutely not going to do that. And if it had to mean he left between now and the end of uh, the window, which I think is very unlikely at the moment, but if it if it did have to happen, Wolves would want and be pushing for a very substantial fee for him. And um, I don't think from for the interest that I've reported, you know, Galatasaray and Ajax and Sevilla and Roma and all these clubs, AC Milan. The majority were looking at loans, and I don't think any of them. A lot of them have brought players in since then as well. I don't think any of them would would probably spend the kind of money it would need to take him away from Wolves. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, if if for some reason he was to leave on loan, then for Wolves would have to bring in a striker. They'd have to have someone coming in. There's no way in a million years they can go with Cunha um, um, and, and, and Kalajic as your as your main front two. It's just a no brainer. I know Mikel Antonio has been talked about um, over the last couple of windows, and and I might come you know double back onto him. Uh, a little bit later in the podcast, Liam. But um, but could Wolf, could some clubs see Wolves as and their situation with FFP and going well? Maybe you know Wolves can't do big money deals. They can't do small money deals at this moment in time. Would a four million pound loan fee be something that the that Matt Hobbs and and Jeff Shee would have to look at because? of the situation that they're in, plus wages. No, Wolves, Wolves are not going to be forced financially into letting Fabio go for mm-hmm. for, for any kind of loan deal at this point. Um, that that money coming in is not going to make a huge difference at this stage of the window. And equally, to bring a replacement in, it's going to go almost nowhere to bring in a replacement in. And a replacement of the kind of quality that Wolves would need as well. Um, that's just not going to happen uh, at, at this stage. I think it, it would have to be something substantial. Um, but the, the position equally, we, we can talk about whether he, you know, what, what it would be if he did leave. But at the end of the day, the, the club's position is he's not going anywhere. And with Fabio being in a 
yes, a non-committal position at the moment, but it's equally not him trying to force it. Mm-hmm. It, it means that it's very likely he's going to stay. And I think the the fans doing what they're doing with him and, and hopefully Gary Neal giving him those assurances, he's only going to help their course to him you know, being settled and happy. And once um, once that is more of a, a settled position, I think it will, it will die down a lot. Last thing on Fabio then, the fans want him to stay, Liam. The fans also want him to take the number nine shirt, which has obviously been vacated by Raul Jimenez. Uh, the, shirt, the shirt numbers have come out. He, the number nine shirt is vacant, um, I mean, I'm not I'm a massive one on on numbers and backs of shirts. I, I don't I'm really that bothered to be honest. Uh, but uh, I would probably have 88 on the back of mine if I could. Um, but I think I think some people would love Fabio to have the number nine shirt and kind of that would be the in, the intent of, of him, you know, growing into someone who Wolves fans can can idolise so many years to come at, at Molyneux. But that's not the case at this moment in time, anyway. No, no, it's not. I, I was maybe a little bit surprised that someone didn't didn't take it, but um, yeah, have, you know, have asked around and, and tried to find out what the position was, and um, and Wolves did discuss with Fabio about taking it. So the plan was that, um, or, or the potential at least, was that he was going to take the number nine shirt, um, but it was decided sort of mutually. I think Fabio was quite understanding of the of the position, and, and obviously the, the the club equally. That while Fabio, I keep using the phrase non-committal because, as I say, he's not really going either way at, at this stage in time. With him being non-committal, really on his future, the club and Fabio really felt that it was the right decision for him not to take it at this moment in time. But from what I understand, obviously we don't know what's going to happen this season, and of course going into next summer. But you know, hypothetically, if he remains after this season and is still a Wolves player. Going into the next campaign, I think, from what I understand, Wolves' plan would be to then give it to him. Um, so I think it would have appeased a few fans if he got it this summer. But I'm sort of similar to you. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really place much importance on the number. I know a, fan, a lot of fans do, and some players do, but not for me really. And and I think um, he's not going to have it this season. But you know, potentially moving forward, it will be his. Uh, I just looked at the time. Oh no, I apologise with what it was last week, and I think we're going to be a little bit over this week as well. Goodness me! Oh well, you can you can stop it and pause and come back to it after your lunch, can't you? I guess some people are listening to it or dinner or whatever that may be. Right. Um, so transfers, Liam. Uh, look up. We got um, what day is it today? It is seventeenth of August. So a couple of weeks before September the first. What can we? Th- what, what are we looking at at this moment in time? Uh, no Daniel Pedence in the squad against uh, Manchester United. No Johnny in the squad. Uh, no Geddes in the squad. Are those still the three where there could be some movement, either permanent or or loans? Um, are those the three most likely? Could there be any surprises in there? We've kind of obviously discussed the silver situation and uh, and also incomings. Is there any kind of a pot or a transfer kitty um, or movement where Wolves could bring in? one or two more players or, or, or more uh, between now and the, the end of the window. Yeah, just on those players first, um, yeah, Geddes I think is very likely to, to still move on. I think the Benfica loan has been very much um, almost in place, just not you know, ready to put the final touches to. Uh, and whether it's there or elsewhere, I think he'll be he'll be moving on. Um, no surprise He's gone. He, I'd be very surprised if he's here. And, and if he is, it'd be interesting, Gary O'Neill's position 
about whether he plays him or not. I mean, if he's there, do you give him an opportunity? I mean, it's a, it's quite a, a difficult situation considering the players made it very clear he doesn't want to be there. So uh, difficult. Uh, he's definitely stopping woods in the mix zone, by the way. Oh, Gonzalo, lad, how's it going, pal? Big yeah. fan of yours. You'll have no idea who we are. I'll be asking, do you want a picture? Yeah, um, a picture, lad. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to get over Pablo Sarabia doing that to me. It's one for the one for the live podcast people. Yeah, painful. Oh. Um, <laughs> So, uh, with Johnny Pedence, it's um, yeah, it's been a weird one over the summer, hasn't it? Because it's sort of developed slowly throughout the summer, but also at the same time, not a lot's changed. So, Johnny's been training with the team the whole time. He was out in Portugal, out in Ireland, but didn't play at all. Obviously, played then a little bit against uh, Wren towards the end of the game, and Pedence on the bench were not used. Pedence didn't wasn't training at all, and then has come back into training and has been training with the team for for a little while now. Um, but he also made it pretty clear that he that he wanted to move on. Uh, the situation is this: there's no in in those two in Johnny and um, Johnny and Pedence, no nothing really concrete in terms of them going anywhere. I mean, there's been a few rumours about a few clubs. I know Celtic have been linked with Pedence and a few other things like that, but mm. there's been nothing major, nothing that you know Wolves can really sink their teeth into to get them out the door. Um, but they've been trained with the squad. And if they stick around, I think they're going to be potentially getting an opportunity. I mean, O'Neill said he'll he'll take a look at everyone. I think he has to say that. But the idea is to get them out of the door, and it's mm-hmm. going to be one to watch really between now and the and the end of the window because you've got equally they're under contract and you've got to have a club come in for them. So um, they're still allowed to leave. That situation hasn't changed. Uh, equally, what hasn't changed is that no club has, has really made a an, a an appropriate concrete, uh, you know move for them mm-hmm. and um, and without that they're not going to go anywhere um, and then that sort of does you know does affect um, Wolves' incomings to an extent I think Wolves can definitely make some moves to bring the players in without those two going but it would be you know loans or frees and I, and I, and I don't think frees are you know I don't think there's anyone out there that's sort of catching Wolves' eye particularly at the moment no. um but equally, at the same time, it would, they, it would become a lot easier for Wolves to bring players in if those two went, because I think they could bring in... They're looking at, obviously, the Alvedi, the Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach. They've been trying to sign him for quite a while. If these two were to go, I think that would certainly help in that department. Um, but the, the situation is, it hasn't really changed a lot. It's really that Wolves need those two to go, ideally, but they are still looking at avenues such as loan players um, and potentially some you know cheaper signings. Um Sort of money we're talking about, Liam, for both of those players, would you say would be um, would be acceptable? It's tough. It's tough because they're you know, Penelope's got a year left, Johnny's got two, Johnny's been way out of form. Hmm. There's been some reports Top scorer last year though. Yeah, no, yeah, true. I mean there's some reports of um Wolves demanding twelve million for Pedence. I mean, I would expect it might be a bit lower than that, if I'm being brutally honest. But I agree, I agree. Um, I don't think it's going to be life-changing fees, but I think it's going to be something that's going to be substantial enough to give Wolves, you know, a little bit of breathing room, um, provided they can they can make it happen. Um, so, if I was to hedge my bets, uh, uh, look, things have changed out the summer, and it's been a really difficult summer for Wolves financially. If I was to hedge my bets, um, I think Wolves bring in one or two between now and the end of the window. You're probably going to look at a loan, and if you can get those two out the door, they might be able to make the Alvedi deal or, or another deal that is not going to be incredible fees but still be modest enough, uh, decent enough that you know, bring a, a player or two in that regard as well. And I think Wolves need to. A centre-back, obviously Alvedi being one of them, would be... Um, well, I was going to say, do you want to... Because some people might not know that name or they might not have been you know, on, on, on a lot of the, the columns or, or um, you know what's been talked about. So maybe just a little bit more about, about Alvedi. 
Uh, well, he's a centre back, and that's what, <laughs> that's what Wolves need. Um, yeah, look, he's in the he's in the final uh, year of his deal at Borussia Mönchengladbach, um, mm-hmm. and he's a pretty high rated player. You know, look, he's been linked with West Ham and Spurs over the last few years, and he's a Swiss international, good age, played a lot of games professionally for both club and country. Um, I think more more uh, right sided, so he'd be more of a replacement for for, for Collins, and then of course as more yeah. senior competition for. Him, Dawson, Kilman, obviously Totti, obviously in that conversation. Mm. So, twenty-six me, years old, forty-seven, yeah. um, you know, Swiss appearances at international level, over two hundred and thirty appearances for for Mush and Gladbach. I mean, this is a this is an experienced player, but also a, a good age. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, the kind of fees that have been touted around, I think somewhere in the seven to ten million have been mm. sort of the numbers that have been put out there. And of course, until something's agreed and and, and concrete, it's difficult to sort of put a final number on it. Sure. Um, it would. It's not a huge outlay for Wolves in the grand scheme of things, but because of the situation they're in, I think they're going to probably need Pedence and Johnny out the door to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were to still you know, pursue it and, and, and make it a reality. Um, and for me, I think it would be a really, really key signing because for all the reasons we've just said about there, about you know experience and everything that, that he brings with him, centre-back itself is such a key position mm-hmm. for me this window because if Wolves end the window with just three senior centre-backs, I think they're running a massive risk. So that's a really, really important one for me to, to bring someone in in that department. Yeah, um, two people um, who will definitely not be coming back to the club are Jean Moutinho and Adama Traore. Adama Traore signed for Fulham. What did you make of that, Liam? I mean, I'd be surprised if he's on crazy money there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Wolves, obviously, the deal originally the Wolves had uh, on the table for him was, you know, to really improve his wages, and of course that they had new and improved deals and a few, you know, lower deals as he sort of ran out of contract. And um, but they were still trying to keep hold of him. I don't think he'd be on crazy money there. Um, of course, moving to London and and all all of these kind of life factors are you know appealing to players. So I, I get that kind of thing, but it's it's it, I know that they did better than Wolves that season. They probably do better than Wolves this season, but it feels like a bit of a sideways move for me, really, for the player. Considering he was at Barcelona on loan, Spurs could have had him had Wolves accepted an offer. I, I think I'm not surprised in the sense that I, I didn't think he was necessarily going to get a bigger club. But in terms of what he was trying to get and what he, the ambitions he was looking forward to, side sideways move in terms of footballing ability and, and in terms of size of club, it's a it's a backward step, isn't it? So mm. not surprised really, but then I, I wonder why. He wouldn't have stuck around at Wolves, so it's a it's it's a strange one. It's a, it's it's a weird one to weigh up, really. Yeah, um, and then Jean Moutinho, who you know reportedly is is on the verge of of going back of going to Porto. Um, all of a sudden, uh, we hear from him after a long time on Instagram. I'll, I'll read out what he said. He said, "I was very proud to be a part of the Wolverhampton family. Proud of the five years that I wore this great club shirt. Proud to have had the opportunity to play." The best football league in the world, proud of being a wolf, um, goes on to say, now is the time to express my deep gratitude to the club, the staff, the teammates, and especially the supporters. The unbelievable and amazing fans are those who never let us feel alone, who give us encouragement, strength, support, soul. Thank you so much for these five magical years. I am a wolf like them, and I will never forget all those great memories. So a very nice um, parting uh, parting words from from Jean Moutinho, who, like I say, is um, going or supposedly on his way to to Porto. Who was actually in and around the the guys at pre season, not not visibly there, but uh, he was he was sharing. He was renting a 
a house with his family, or he's got a place there with his family that's very close by to where to where Wolves are training. It's a funny one with Jean Moutinho, um, Liam, because obviously he left under a bit of a, a cloud, um, was not or did not make himself available for selection for those final few games, and you know, no real. Um, you know, obviously, you know whether whether he played or not. I think a lot of people were very disappointed that he was not present for that final home game of the season, where everybody knew he was leaving. Um, but uh, to say goodbye, or for the fans to have a chance to say goodbye, however he felt at the time with with what he was doing, whether he was trying to protect himself for a for a move or or whatnot, um, it was it was definitely a, a, a disappointing ending to you know what was you know in large. Okay, you know he was obviously getting on a bit in the last year or two, but. You know, a quite incredible time to to be part of this Wolves team and and for us to watch it and to show our appreciation. So it kind of it kind of like I say left a bit of taste in the mouth, and then we didn't hear from him. Then all of a sudden, three and a half months later, Liam, we get this. Well, it's nice to hear from him. Um, <laughs> I wonder which publicist wrote it for him. Um, oh, well, that's nasty. Isn't it? I shouldn't have said oh, that. There was no need dear. for that. Wow. I, I didn't mean it. Joe. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. No, look. I, firstly, as a as a footballer, he was absolutely magnificent for Wolves for the vast majority of his time there. So, um, nothing but respect and, and um, admiration for for what he did for for Wolves on the pitch. Absolutely. Um, off it, I think people get a, the wrong idea of of who he is and what he is. There was so many. We we would get it all the time as well. So many questions and suggestions that he can be a player coach and he can stay at Wolves and yeah. be a manager in ten years' time. And it was just never going to happen. Um, now, whether he goes into that later in life, you know, once his playing career is over, we'll see. But when he was leaving Wolves, his ambition was to keep playing. Um, so that's the first hurdle into him going into coaching. And obviously, it looks like he's now joining or rejoining Porto. Um, so that's the first thing. Secondly, the kind of character he is and the kind of person he is and what he was like behind the scenes. I think we spoke about it on here before, you know, at the mm-hmm. time of him not playing. He wasn't the easiest to work with, I think, for, for some people at times. And he's never really... I know that Bruno said this a lot, but I, I don't know... I'm not sure what he was seeing, because I've not heard this from anyone else. But he doesn't seem to be the kind of character that would go into management, uh, would no. go into coaching. Um, I'm not sure that's a grand ambition of his. Like, I, I could be wrong. Of course I could, but... Um... I could see him on the, I could see on the Portugal coaching staff. That's probably, you know, about... <laughs> Yeah. So, um, look, it, it, it's not a surprise to me that he refused to play towards the end of his um, Wolves career. I, I, I think, of course, it, you know, of course, he should have done. It was a disrespectful move and, and bang out of order. But not a surprise to me that he didn't, because of the kind of person he is. And mm. and um, I, I don't for a doubt, don't for a minute, sorry, doubt that um, he enjoyed his time at Wolves. He loves the club, and you know he, he appreciates the support. I don't doubt that whatsoever. Um, what I do believe is that. What comes first to Jamatinho Wolves or Jamatinho, and it's Jamatinho. So, um, and I can't, in some ways, I can't blame him. At the same time, you you know, you're being paid under contract. You turn up and you and you play, um, regardless of what's happening towards the end of the season. So, um, the reasons why he he chose not to play, you, you can speculate, and I would imagine it's to do with not being injured and getting a move elsewhere. He knew he wasn't staying at Wolves. Um, whether there are other reasons or not, or, or not, we may never know, but. It's not a surprise to me that he did it, and um, and yeah, just don't get the wrong idea of what he's like because because I'm not you know for a second suggesting anything particularly bad about him, but I just don't think he was the easiest person to uh, to deal with. No, and and I think it, we kind of move it on a little bit and go to the environment that that's there at this football club at this moment in time, and whether it was Julian or whether it's Gary O'Neill, what we saw in pre-season and what's continued is 
that this is a very much a, um, a unified team, you know, a unified squad of players, a young squad of players. Okay, there's a bit of experience in there as well, but they're very inclusive. Um, they want everybody to join in. There's no segregation. And I feel like with, you know, under Jean Moutinho, who, like you said, Liam, let's, let's be truthful, he wasn't the best person or the nicest person in around the training ground. He wasn't. And look, he's he's earned that. I guess to a certain extent, he can be how he wants to be. He's had an, a marvellous career. And if you want to... Uh, keep yourself to yourself or you know only stick to certain people you know then then that's that's up that's up to them um what i won't stand for is people who haven't done anything like i had the career like him trying to be the same person you know um who, who aren't inclusive who are trying to have a chip in the shoulder when they come to a football club and uh, and they've done nothing in their career that i think you know you can earn to, to a certain extent a lot of people have it in different clubs you know if you're jean moutinho and you've and you've done it but um but I do feel it's more of an inclusive environment at this moment in time. And I think with the movement we've had in managers, in, in certain players, um, the environment that they're coming into at this moment in time is very much more accepting than maybe it would have been with certain senior players if they were still at the club and the environment they would they would potentially coming into at this moment in time. Yeah, I think that you know it comes back to my earlier point, top of the podcast, about the you know the atmosphere, environment, and the kind of players we've always been bringing in and trying to to change the feel around the place. And, and they've done a good job at doing that. And I don't think Bettino, he didn't have a particularly bad season last season, but I think he wasn't at his best, I think it's fair to say. And is it a massive loss Wolves losing him? I don't think so. I think in terms of Premier League level, he's, he was probably just about done. I think it was the, the right time for him to move on. And him going and, and the way Wolves are building the atmosphere and the camaraderie and, and the togetherness within the squad it's probably helpful that he's not there and maybe someone like Pedence and Geddes might move on as well um, but look he, I think he was obviously respected he was obviously a great player for Wolves on the pitch um, I, I, yeah I finished by saying again not surprised what happened at the end but felt that he could have acted you know a lot differently to to not leave the bitter taste in the mouth that you've uh, you've described yeah, um, right. Um, brings me on to, before we go on to uh, questioners, um, a certain new manager, Mr. Gary O'Neill, of course. We haven't really spoken about him too much um, in this in this podcast so far, Liam, but of course, his debut um, at Manchester United. I've, I've liked what he said so far. Um, and look, a couple of things. First of all, you know, I've got under very good authority um, that... A lot of the players, Liam, and you'll probably agree with this, have come off the pitch in early into Gary O'Neill's tenure and are absolutely buzzing at some of the training sessions that he's had. Really excited. I'm not saying that Lopetegui's, you know, weren't, weren't good. I'm not saying that at all, but really excited coming off the pitch of his methods, of what he's doing already. And, you know, you could probably see, even though it was the same Lopetegui team on Monday night, I think the approach was very different to what maybe we might have had with Lopetegui in the dugout, if that makes sense. I feel that there was an excitement there and a change in maybe attitude, in in in, in tactics, in, in positivity, in energy, that you could see the old team but under new hands. I know it's early, but I do feel that the signs are, are pretty encouraging. And like I say, same with like Nelson Semedo, only one game. But... That was, a, I think he's had, okay, lost the game, but a pretty good start in this first less than a week as, as manager. Yeah, well, you know, the last few weeks of Lopetegui, there was a bit of a cloud, wasn't there? And albeit he was still 
good with the players and, and around training and you know it's going to rub off on some players players are not stupid they're going to be aware of something happening aware that not all is right um with with the manager and and, and with you know the club uh, at that situation so it's probably to, to a relief to some of them if not most of them that Lopetegui or at least not that necessarily that he has gone but more that the situation has been resolved I think and with Gary Neal coming in I think that you know the, the training sessions have been very tough. One of the first things he said is that, you know, the fitness is, is in a good place with the players, but it could be better. And um, he's been putting them <laughs> putting them through their bases, to be honest, in, um, in in training. And with all that and maybe the atmosphere, again, I think it's a key word that I keep bringing up, but with that, it may be improving with Lopetegui and him clearly not wanting to be there and him moving on. Um, that's going to benefit. And then looking at the game, as you say, look, I'm not surprised he picked a lineup that was virtually identical to what Lopetegui would have picked, I think. Because I think with the amount of time he had left, or the amount of time he had to, you know, with the squad before the game, it was probably a wise thing to do that. But the approach and the energy in the squad felt different, and it felt renewed. There was a new lease of life. And I would hope that that carries on moving forward. And look, they will find, they will have tough times throughout the season, without a doubt. They'll have runs where they don't win, or they lose a few on the bounce. And, you know, you've, you've got to, stick together in those times as well as now despite the fact they've lost this game having played so well and I think um, provided that you know the right decisions are made and maybe you get a little bit of luck at times and you pick up a few results I think there could be a snowball effect with, with, with Gary O'Neill and, and you would hope that, that the Wolves players respond to that they've responded in the short term it's now about responding in the long term um, it's, been, it's been a mixture of emotions Roller coaster, some might say this this uh, this this summer, Liam. I, I think we're both quite tired. In one game, one game in, um, and I was flicking through to see how we're feeling and, and what my what my emotions were this summer and the fans' emotions. And I came across this this cycle, and I think it explains it quite well. This is the this is the Kubler Ross grief cycle, and I think this explains pretty well uh, where we are at this moment in time and what the summer's had. So bear with me. See if you agree. There's five. Five um, five pieces of information on the on the old grief cycle. First of all, denial, denial, and I feel like denial was where we started. Confusion, avoidance, excitement, shock, and fear, which um, is kind of the the subheadings of of denial. And I feel like that was maybe the start of preseason, Liam, where there's a few murmurings about wolves might not have money, they might not have enough, but a lot of people are saying, yeah, whatever, it's going to happen, and, you know, the Lopetegui will get his way, and they'll, they'll end up signing two or three players by the end of the season, and big money, and we're going to be okay, and we're not, we're not having any of the, the chat that, that's, that's been talked about. So denial was number one. Number two, anger. Frustration, irritability, anxiety, but anger. I think anger was maybe when we did that podcast, Liam, all those all those weeks ago now, where we said, "No, this is this is happening. There's there's huge issues here. There's big issues. Wolves will not be spending. In fact, they haven't got the money to spend at this moment in time. Forget eight to fifteen million pound. Whether it's three, four, five million, it's not happening. They are not going to be able to to afford players. Um, and I think that was the anger part of it. Then there was the bargaining. Um, struggle to find meaning to help others to to tell your own story. I think the bargaining was um, people starting to understand that this was a realization that there was an issue here. Um, Lopetegui starting to kind of also understand that I might not get my way here, and this could be a a long summer and maybe quite worried about the team's future and maybe his own future. 
So bargaining is number three. Depression, which was pretty much last week, depression, helplessness, avoidance, where Lopetegui leaves, people can't believe it, and Gary O'Neill comes in and you have the the the, the Lopetegui leaving and, and Spain manager, Real Madrid manager, you know, obviously done very well last season, and then someone who hasn't managed 40 games coming in. And there was obviously a lot of depressed fans out there worried about the future. Number five, and what I think we saw on Monday night with the fans, with how good they were, acceptance and a smiley face. Exploring opportunities, introducing new plans, moving forward. And I think that that one performance has definitely helped. I feel, you know, Gary O'Neill's Barmy Army, there's an acceptance there that he is the manager now. I think there's actually um, a hopefulness and a positivity in and around that. And the fact that he's produced that in the five to six days that he's been in charge is, is pretty impressive. The way that he's spoken before, the way that he's spoken in his post-match press conference. There's a lot to like about Gary O'Neill. Now, yes, there's a long way to go, but I feel like we've come out of that that slumber, that, that frustration, that confusion, that dullness, and there is a little bit of a light at the end of this tunnel. Well, there was a lot, there was a lot to take in. It's better than my dissertation. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was uh, that was one hell of a monologue. I was, I was asleep, to be honest, mate. I was, I was long gone. Um, it allowed you to scroll on your phone for a little bit. The five, I mean, the, the, the Kubler Ross cycle: denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. There wasn't really a question there for me. It was more just, uh, do you it was agree? Just a, it was just yeah. a chat. It was just a chat. Yeah, it was just a, no. just a, I was scrolling around and then came across that cycle, and I thought I it think typifies the summer really and how we're feeling. And I just think it's that that shows the. Excellent work and preparation you put into the poddy. You've um, you've done you know your research and you've and you've fished that up and um, I'm impressed. So good work, uh, a star for effort. <laughs> Don't know what to say, do you? Oh, um, to be honest, it, it actually fit pretty pretty well. To, to, be, to be fair, I mean, yeah, um, I would like to think that the last one, the acceptance, is um, is closing in. But mm. you know, there was advocate and all that, as I like to do sometimes. Results are going to be the most important thing, aren't they? I completely you've agree. Got to, you've got to get the results, starting with Brighton. i tell you where you get results. Do you know what you get results at? Kettle and Toastman deliver results on a daily, weekly, monthly and yearly basis. What and i tell you what, Liam. Oh, and i tell you what. i tell you what, right. Okay. I've had, um, and this is a true story, um, Ocado shop came yesterday. I don't really use Ocado, but actually they're, they're quite useful. I've used Ocado before. No, I haven't. I know what they are, but I've never used them. Okay, so I use them. I use them because they do these special protein waffles that you can only get really get in America, but they've got a version of them that you can only get on a cardo and delicious. You know, you put two of them in. Um, you can either get get whole grain protein or you can get blueberry protein. So stick a couple of them in from frozen. Um, heat them up. A little bit of almond butter on top. A little bit of agave nectar um, syrup. Oh, mate, fantastic with a coffee in the morning. I've had them to 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 stoke the old fire before this podcast. So. The easiest thing for me is I don't want to be grilling them, I don't want to be oven cooking them. You stick them in a toaster from frozen, straight out of the freezer, bang, bang, push the knob down, happy days. Two minutes later, everyone's a winner. Um, Two slice cherry red toaster, brand new. Beautiful chrome finish to it. A lovely deep dark red, almost like a maroon colour. Give me a price. Kellentoastman.co.uk. Give me a price, baby. How much? Fairly simple. Fairly simple, but but really lovely finish to it. And I mean, the toast that's coming out of it on the picture, golden brown, baby. I'll go, I'll go 50. Tell you what, take 80% off that. 
80%. Give me, give me 10 of your English pounds and you've got a deal. I, I'm good thing you said 10 pounds. I wouldn't have known what 80% was. <laughs> um, 10 quid. Yeah, Tenner. That is good, isn't it? Tenner. Two slice churro red toaster. Brand new. Tenner, mate. Tenner. I might have to get on the phone. Uh, right, I have to get on the phone and get on the website. I think you absolutely and use your one percent discount as well. Nine quid. <laughs> that should be nine pound ninety. But anyway, um, that's another math story. Right? Should we take some questions from the beautiful people? Let's do it. Okay, baby. Here we go. Um, so we talked about Johnny Otter. Ooh, there's a, there's, there's a controversial one here. Shall I? Shall I? Um, shall, I shall I give it to you from Wolfie? Hit me. He says, Jeff Shee has brought in £90 million whilst holding on to all our best players. He's also upgraded the manager to Gary O'Neill. And after the performance on Monday, I'm beginning to think Jeff Shee is doing a good job. Is it safe for me to give Jeff a round of applause on Saturday if he's there? Question mark. Take it in twofold there. So first of all, <laughs> has he done a good job? And two, will it be okay to give him a round of applause from Wolfie if he's there on Saturday? Well, I... Um... I didn't expect this to be one of the questions. I'll be well, no. completely honest with you. Um, so there's a, I, I take umbrage with a couple of the points, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> okay. You can't say he didn't sell all of the best players when Ruben Neves has left the club. Yeah. Um, I, the point I made earlier about not all of them being key players, or the majority not, not being key players, I think is a fair one. But you know, Neves has still gone. So, uh, albeit you know, a very good deal for Wolves, but still, he has gone. Um Upgrading the manager, no disrespect to Gary O'Neill, as well as the first few days have gone, the first performance was, y- you can't argue losing you know, a former Real Madrid, former Spain, and a Europa League winning manager for Gary O'Neill, who's before the game and managed 37 games um, as, a, as a you know an out-and-out head coach, is an upgrade. I think that's, you know, rose-tinted glasses, to be honest, and... and I've I've been impressed with what I've seen of Gary Neil so far. I've said to you he was well respected in the in the game before. I hope he you know goes on does very well, but I don't think you can say that at this point. So they're the first two things I would say. Um and talking of you know of Jeff and how the summer's gone in, in general, I mean he wants to give him a round of applause, so will he be able to do it? Well well before I mentioned that, just just in you know, with the point of him doing a good a good job. The summer has been a bit of a mess. Look, Wolves have got mm-hmm. to Wolves have got to deal with what you know, what's in front of them in terms of the financials, but there's been plenty of things that have gone wrong and have could have been handled a lot better, which we've gone over before. So, look, I, you know, I can't sit here and say he's done an absolutely sterling job. Um, do I think it's as bad as some people have made out? No, but I absolutely don't think that it's, um, you know, a star for effort like uh, like you with your <laughs> five star the grief, whatever the bloody hell thing it was. Um, I lost. I forgot already. Um, yeah, the second point. Um, you can applaud if you like, but I don't think there'll be many people applauding with you. And I don't, th- I don't believe that he'll be there. I've said it on a previous poly, but I believe he's back end of August. Mm. And because of that, and the way that the fixtures work out, and obviously there's an international break in September, means that he, I don't believe he'll be at a Molyneux game until the Liverpool game, which I think is the 16th, 16th of September. Yeah. Mm. So, um, as far as some I understand s- it, that's the case. Some may say... Um, someone said, well, you know, he's, he's, he's entitled to, to be away from the club. Um um, at this stage, some will say it's slightly convenient with um, everything that's gone on this summer, and that he's pretty much a, um, there every single week, home and away. That he misses certain games when the heat may be, maybe slightly on him. Um, what would you say to that? Sixteenth of September. So that's what it's basically a month between. Yeah, we won't see him for a month. A month's time. Now, of course, that's unless anything changes. But in terms of the way the fixtures go, he would have to be back for this weekend anyway. 
to make a modern new game, and I don't believe he will be. So, um, yeah, unless yeah. you can kind of talk about Blackpool in the in the EFL Cup. No, for no a that's a good point. Game. Yeah, I forgot about that game. I forgot mm. because I'm on holiday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. We'll talk about that next week. I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> Mission Everton away. Oh bloody hell! Get in there. What? No, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I've got it all lined up for next week. Don't worry. Hate that place. Um, so, uh, anyway, Actually, Wolves, Wolves against Blackpool at home should be an easy one for him to come back to, to be honest. Yeah, true. Just, true. just nicking it in the so. director's box. Um, no, I, I said on a previous pod, I think it might have been the last one, or yeah, forget exactly which one it was, mm. but um, to not be there for the. You know, I can't, can't criticise him for being in China because I don't know the reasons why he's there, mm. whether it's a family thing or business thing, whatever it might be. But I can criticise him not being involved in the process of Lopetegui going and then Gary yeah. not coming in because I think, uh, you know, the chairman should be involved um, to, to some extent in that. So that's my criticism there. And um, whether he should be back early or shouldn't be is neither here nor there really for me. It's more about being um, involved in those decisions. And of course, he's still heavily involved in the way you know any decision we would make by and large. But those two particular decisions, or at least the process of coming to a resolution. Um, he wasn't involved in. So that's where my criticism comes from. Yeah, we spoke to Gary O'Neill on, on Friday, didn't we, um, before Monday's game, and he said he hadn't spoken to the chairman, had any dialogue with him as of yet, um, but was expecting to hear from him or have a conversation before the Manchester United game. I assume that's taken place. We don't know. I don't think he got asked afterwards, but I'm sure he'll be asked um, by maybe yourself if it's not asked before and, um, in, the press match, uh, in the press match, in the press conference tomorrow, Liam. Absolutely. Yes, I will. Uh, I will endeavour to do that for you. No problem, Ah, oh, lovely stuff. Right, okay, next question. Nothing but Neto says, given the team's performance on Monday night, have any teams expressed any interest in Cunha, Neto, Nunes, Lamina or Gomez? What is the chance we hold on to these key players this window? And I think maybe, if I was going to point one out, maybe Mateus Nunes is maybe one that maybe has been floated around. Of course, he was at the start of the summer. Um, but Cunha, Neto, Nunes, Lamina, Gomez. Yeah, so, um, oh yeah, Nunes, you're right, there's been a, a few more bits about him in Liverpool than was you know, previously in the summer as well. Um, I don't believe there's anything for him from Liverpool. Um, I'm not aware of anything for the other players either. And as far as Wolves are concerned, and you can understand the reasons for this because the squad's not particularly big and these are very key players we're talking about here, but there's no you know, suggestion from Wolves, no desire at all to let any of those players go. Um, they're not considering it. Loans, permanents, doesn't matter. They're not interested. Um, and they shouldn't be because they will have no one left <laughs> if they let these players go. Um, now, I have to say this every time because it's a reality in football. If, if a ridiculous, crazy, stupid offer comes in for Nunes or anyone else, Wolves have to at least consider it. At the very least, have to consider it and sit down and have a conversation. Um, but until the day that happens, if it ever happens those players won't be going anywhere and Wolves are not interested in, in letting them go. And rightly so. Carl says, is the problem, if the problem isn't the cash, it's just that we can't spend FFP, then why don't they concentrate on the Steve Bull or changing the temporary stand to permanent? More fans in would be more income from the club. On, on the point of the income, I mean, gate, I mean, it's not a small number, the, you know, the gate uh, revenue over a season, but it's not, in, ter- in the grand scheme of things, it's not, a huge number for the football club. So I don't think that's going to have a particularly big impact doing that. Um, I think obviously it's on 
Wolves' list of to do, and it's something that they they I think should be giving some um, some weight to. It's not been something that has been at the forefront for at least a couple of years now. It's very much on the on the periphery, on the back foot. It's something that they're gonna look at as and when. Um, I think they've obviously been looking at bringing um, in, in investors in in, in in you know in some capacity, uh, and I would imagine that becomes more of a more of a pressing issue as and when that happens. As it stands, it's, it's not something that's top of the to do list. Uh, there's loads of questions about about VAR and penalties and um, PGMOL. So I'll, I'll ask this in a broad in a broad um, in a broad way, I guess. Um, have Wolves had any more clarity, or are they are they approaching, or are they making any complaints? I mean, I know they've received um, apologies. Does that mean that they don't need to, or they don't need to express their opinion, or do they need to do that formally? Yes, obviously they had the John Moss spoke to Gary Neal, didn't he? And then Howard Webb has contacted Wolves um, to sort of reiterate that, I suppose, and and confirm it should have been a penalty and apologise and all this nonsense. But um, from Wolves' position now, I mean, obviously it's happened so many times, um, and I think they're sort of at a position where they don't they don't know what else they can do or what else they can say, and they're just a bit fed up with it, understandably so. Um, and I think they would prefer not to have an apology and just have the right decision be made. But I don't think there's any sort of formal process that they're going through now with this one. Um, be interesting to see if anything happens further later, further on in the season, if there's more, you know, catastrophes like this one that happen uh, and go against Wolves, whether they whether they do. But I don't I don't believe there's any extra sort of formal process that they're going now. They just had the conversation and sort of moving on. Okay, um, magically, Magic Lee says, why is there a need for booking players for time-wasting now? If time is being added on more accurately, nobody is gaining anything. Totally agree with the bookings for general descent, but a yellow card to throw in in the first half seems a bit much. I, I, when I saw this question, I thought it was a really good point, actually. Um, and and it, to my earlier point about him, you know, Simon Hooper, didn't think he had a particularly bad game, but he did, Was you know, it was maybe a little bit harsh on a couple of the yellows. And you're talking about the... The first half yellow for eight Nori there um, with, with the time wasting. I, 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 I'm inclined to agree, to be honest. If you are making changes to how added on time is calculated and taking every, everything into account, then surely time wasting doesn't make a difference. Now, to make sure, again, my earlier point, to make sure that this doesn't make a difference at all, just stop the clock. It's not hard. I, don't, I, really, I really don't understand why that's not something they can do really easily. So that would be my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Barnett says despite the absolutely superb display against United I'm really worried about squad depth do we have enough bodies to get through a Premier League season in good shape and I'll add another one to that uh, Robin Taylor says if Kilman and Dawson get injured what's the plan so for me you, you they have enough to get through the season if they're very lucky because you can get through the season and have no big injuries or no injuries at all. I mean, Wolves had an incredible injury record, didn't they, under Nuno for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's possible, of course it is, but you are running an almighty risk because injuries happen in football. Wolves had them last season, they'll have suspensions, and it'll happen again. And you have to bring a centre-back in for me. I think midfield would be, in an ideal world, you could bring in a forward-thinking midfielder, but you can bring Nunes inside. So I think for me, wing would be more pressing than that. A fourth-choice striker would be a possibility, 
um, as may, maybe my my fourth choice for you know signings uh, in terms of you know what's what's most pressing. Um, again, in an ideal world, you could do that. So they're actually only one or two away, really, from probably having you know maybe two is the is the right number, having sort of decent enough enough depth. But that even that is not incredible. So it's going to be running a real risk. And I mean, your guess is as good as mine. If Dawson and <laughs> if Dawson and Gilman get injured, I mean, Totti obviously plays. That's that's the obvious one. Alfie go on, Pond's go on, Alfie Pond. <laughs> I mean, Alfie, Alfie Pond's young. hasn't played senior game. I, I, I just. I can't see him being thrown in. Doc will, th- Doc will be playing. That's exactly exactly my point. I think Doc mm. comes in, doesn't he? I think he has to, and he's the natural fit probably to to come in. And I'm not comfortable with that. Don't get me wrong at all, but it's it's probably the best of a bad situation. Mm. Mm. Um, right. Um, we'll whistle a few, a few more, then we're done. Okay, and then we'll preview Brighton again. Sorry, we've got like eighty odd questions again, so it's clear here. But um, yeah, hopefully things will settle down a little bit. Um, so sorry if I haven't got to your. Your question this week. Here we go. Jake Gallagher says, "Do you believe it was Gary O'Neill's or June Lopetegui's team playing on Monday?" Also, what's your favourite ice cream flavour? <laughs> uh, I think we both sort of said the first one. I think Lopetegui's team, but with a bit of added Gary O'Neill oomph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. That way. Um, and I think one. maybe you might see some changes going forward with sort of how the team sets up. But we'll see. Um, and flavour. I'm gonna. Stragiatella is one of, is will be up there Ooh, for me. Good shout, good shout. And I'm gonna throw a curveball in and say pistachio. Oh, pistachio's good, mate. Very good. Take um that. I like a bit of mint choc chip, I like a bit of coffee, yeah, like but yeah. the one that I went for yesterday in Henley Ice Cream was and it was delicious, maple and walnut. Ooh, that sounds maple good. and walnut with a waffle cone. I went all in, baby. Where was this? Um, it was in Henley Ice Cream Company in Arden. It's very famous. There's um, always queues outside of it. Fantastic. That's, not, got, like, that's not far from me at all. I'm mate, it won't be no. Like, drive over this afternoon. We, um, we we wandered there. We took the dogs for a little walk in the in the hills there. Then walked onto the high street. Got that, mate. It's absolutely superb. Superb. But there's about 40, 50 flavors there. Oh. and they have pistachio. Oh, I'm getting hungry now. I'm oh. come on, lad. Get yourself a picture there. Tweet it today. Um, Jake Crutchley says, this is a very important question, he says, when we miss out on the Champions League due to that missing point for Monday, who do we hope getting in the Europa League draw? Wait, put that to me again. I, I, I didn't quite... He says, when we miss out on the Champions League due to that missing point from Monday night... Now, that is ambitious, but yeah, keep going. Who are we hoping to get in the Europa League draw? you <laughs> <laughs> love to see it. Oh, I tell you what, regardless of whether you know, you're, not, you're probably not going to win the game, I would love it if a Barcelona, for example, dropped out of the Champions League or something, and you and you got them in the Europa League away. Ah, oh, we take the take Wolves would take fifty or sixty to Barcelona fans, wouldn't there? There'd be a few who make the long oh, trip. There might be a couple making that trip. They would take over the city, mate. It'd be absolute I, carnage. Fifty to sixty, there would be at least five to six thousand. There'd probably be more. I reckon there'd be ten thousand that went, oh, it'd be and they'd all be, carnage. wouldn't they? And now I'm getting excited for something that's not going to happen. This I know, so I know. So thanks for that. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Oh, dear. <laughs> Liam Willis says, in five seasons' time, do you think we'll be admiring Zhao Gomez as much as we admired Ruben Neves? Oh, I re- I'm really glad you asked this question. I, again, I really liked this question because it's... Because the way I've big Zhao Gomez up, I, can, I know where this question's coming from. But I'm going to say no. I'm okay. going to say no for this reason. He's, he's not going to be with Wolves as long as Ruben Neves was. Uh, I I completely wholeheartedly and one hundred percent 
agree with what you have just said there. The and when you there. say when you say when you say every some some people are listening to this going, what the hell? Like there's no way they can do it. You look at the you look at the numbers Brighton are selling players for at this moment in time. Where going to going to Chelsea or Liverpool or Newcastle or Saudi or abroad? I genuinely genuinely think Jao Gomez could go for, and I'm not. I don't want to. You know, put, I don't think you need any pressure from me. With very quickly within one to two years. 70, 80, that kind of a bracket, easily. I completely easily. agree. Do you agree? agree. Um, I, th- I think he's a real gem. I've said this from the beginning. I think he's a, I think he's a star. I think he will... If, if everything goes well for him, you get a little bit of luck, no injuries, all these kind of things that play a factor, I think he could be an absolute gem for Wolves and move on for big, big money. Um, and, and people at the club sort of expect that of him as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they really have got him, hold him in high regard. Lopetegui loved him, thinks he'll go on and play Champions League football pretty soon. Um, I heard a few, a few people telling me about other staff saying the similar thing. Um, someone mentioned to me the other week that um, they were having a conversation with Tony Roberts, um, big fan of mine, by the way, after that story came out. Um, <laughs> big, big, fan, big fan of mine. Oh, big Tony. Um, has he signed, is he now? Has he gone? Oh, yeah, he's at, he's at Milan now. It was oh, right, a, a okay. couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Can we say it? Oh, no, we'll leave. We leave, let's, leave it, let's leave for a pod. Let's leave for a, a live pod. That's a live, that's a live pod, mate. It's a live pod chat. It's a live pod chat. He loves me. Someone was having a conversation with him and and he picked Jao Gomez out as the the, the star in that in that squad in training. The one, the one that they're all just mesmerised by. The one that's going to go on and do big things. Um, everyone's saying the same thing about him. Everything I've seen of him on the pitch, around the squad, as a person, and then equally what I'm being told about him in training. I, I come to the... I, I, again, I know we're putting a lot of pressure on the young lad, but I'm, I'm only come to one conclusion, and that he's going to be a top, top player. Mm. Um, last one. Have we got any new songs for Saturday, says Lynx Wolf? Gary Neal's Golden Black Army, isn't it? That's yeah, what they were all well, singing. I mean, the Wolf fans were in fine voice, as they always are, at, at, uh, at Old Trafford on Monday. Mm. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, the, the atmosphere at, at, at the beginning of the game, when the teams were walking out, was brilliant. I thought, you know, United fans were loud, Wolves fans were loud, it was great. Three minutes into the game, absolute crickets around the stadium, apart from uh, <laughs> the Wolves fans. I mean, they were so quiet, you know, it was unbelievable. Um, probably because they were pretty bad. So, yeah. <laughs> so very true. Um yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not one that's going to necessarily come up with the songs, but I, I'm pretty sure the very creative Wolves fans will have something up their sleeve pretty quickly. They, it doesn't take them very long to come up with something, so I'm looking forward to it. It does not. Right, um, after this mammoth podcast from nowhere, 97 minutes in, we get to Wolverhampton Wanderers against Brighton Hove Albion on Saturday. Nil poire from the first game, lot to, uh, lot to take positives from, but another bloody difficult game. Um, of course, uh, Brighton... Um, Easily, easily cruise to um, cruise to. Was it a four-one in the end? Was it a four-one win, opening day? Oh yeah, they beat Luton four-one. Yes, yeah, they I did. mean Luton. And, I'm not going to say <laughs> that because we're playing playing them in a few weeks time. Oh, they're, they're dreadful. They're oh, get guaranteed. It's like Huddersfield a few years ago. Wolves will lose hundred percent. Season hundred percent. They'll be they'll win three or four games all season and they'll beat the Wolves twice. Guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> nailed on, nailed on. There's absolutely no chance of being more than a goal in it when they play Luton. By the way, <laughs> not not a chance. Um, anyway, but. Uh, Look, they've obviously got a plethora of um, of superb players, and uh, I could say it wasn't involved anyway, was he? But you look at the team that 
um, that Deserbi's put out and that, that that can play. I mean, they're they're, they're quite quite brilliant, really. And João Pedro that is now leading the line for them, but they've got the likes of of Welbeck and Evan Ferguson and and, and a lot of strikers to give them um, a lot, plenty of problems. I'm sure more than Manchester United did. Um, on Monday night, um, you look at the midfield with with Matoma in March. I mean, I don't think in Cisco, I think he only got like two or three minutes, and he was obviously the surprise package uh, last season. And then at the back, they're pretty solid as well. So it's going to be a very difficult game. But I think all that you can hope for is the same kind of levels that they played it, uh, against Manchester United. Could you see any changes whatsoever, or have that eleven earned the right to play um, and line up at Molineux on Saturday, Liam? Yeah, look at Brighton first. I mean, he picks out a couple of the players there. I mean, Matoma, I think he's superb and he looks like it's not going to be a one-season wonder from the way he performed against Luton as well. So um, I think he's a really dangerous player, really, really good. Jao Pedro actually played um, as well as Welbeck. They both started against Luton. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they set up, whether he plays slightly deeper, Jao Pedro. But I think 30 million is a lot, but I think he's a good player. Um and then in midfield, you know, obviously there's been a lot about them losing McAllister. They now lost Caicedo. But Dahoud, I think it was a free transfer as well from Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. He, that is a sneakily good signing. Agreed. That's a sneakily good signing for Brighton. I think he's a very, very tidy player. So, um, look, I, it's, it, it's, they're such a bizarre but incredibly well, well run club, Brighton, where <laughs> true, very players, true. players will pop up every season for them. Like they've got this Van Heck playing centre half there, who's been on loan elsewhere for them the last couple of seasons, who started against Luton at centre half, and they'll come out of nowhere, and I guarantee they'll do absolutely superb for them. I mean, they they are really well run, they're well coached. I think Deserby's a very very good manager, um, and they just managed to pick out these gems out of nowhere. So it's a very dangerous game for Wolves. I mean, look at the last three times um, they faced each other in the Premier League. Obviously, the six nil um, at the end of last season away at Brighton, the three two loss at home under Steve Davis. And then before that, under Bruno, when Graham Potter was in charge of Brighton, uh, Brighton came to Molyneux and won 3-0. Mm-hmm. So they've lost the last three in the in the Premier League and conceded 12 goals. Um, it's a very dangerous game for Wolves. Very, very dangerous. And, and, and I'm a big fan of the way Brighton go about it. So it's, um, it's going to be tough. But you would hope taking a bit of the positivity from United, taking that into the first home game of the season... The atmosphere amongst the fans, I think, is going to be a lot different than what you probably could have expected a couple of weeks ago. Because I think Agreed. they're going to take a lot of heart from that really, really good performance at United. And provided they start fairly well, don't concede early and create opportunities, the fans will be with them all the way. So that's the real key for me. If I'm honest, I expect he'll actually keep the same system and probably the same start eleven. Yeah. If I'm being brutally honest. What I do think should happen if it was me I would make one change I would Ooh, let me think let yeah me go think, on go think. on you, you tell me oh dearie me I think that the only change you, you could probably suggest here oh actually no there's two you could do I think one of them would be Bueno for Aignori at home is that the one or it could be Fabio for Sarabia but I'm so, going to say I'm going to say it's bueno. You are incorrect, I'm afraid. Ah, um, crap! It was actually the other one. Ah, <laughs> you were close. Okay. Look, I, I thought I thought Bueno was going to play at United. I would have yeah. started him myself if I was choosing the team. But to Aitnori's credit, yes, he got caught out a couple times defensively. But to his credit, I thought he was very good actually. Um, and 
he carried on what he's been doing largely in pre-season. So I would give him another chance and keep let him keep his place. Sarabia did better than what we've seen in other games and other well, and last season really than in pre-season, but was probably the less impactful of all of the forwards. For me, I would drop Cunha slightly deeper and I would start Fabio. Um, and particularly at home, it, you don't, I don't think you should be too gung ho against a, you know a very good Brighton side, but you should mm-hmm. be more on the front foot. And albeit they were very much like that against United, I think you've got more license to start Cunha and Fabio together at home, particularly first home game of the season. Um, and I think that would that would get fans off their seat. And the way Cunha played, the way Fabio played when he came on, I think them two linking up together from the start is a, is a potentially really exciting prospect. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. It would definitely give the crowd a boost, wouldn't it? Um, I, th- I think that's that's got a chat. I thought Strabby did okay, to, to be honest. Yeah, I no, definitely did, want yeah, more from okay. this season. I thought he did okay. I mean, he is, I think, very rarely is he going to play 95 to 100-minute games. I think he's going to be one who will either come on for 30 or 40 or, or will get. he was the first one to, to go off, wasn't he, on maybe 60 or 65, I think, on... On Monday, and I think that's that's probably the same. But I, I, you know, it was definitely more positive than negative from Sarabi. I saw a bit more than what I have done last season. So, um, yeah, I could see either or of those, to be honest, uh, Liam. And to be honest, I'd be quite happy with 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 what what Gary Neal will choose, whether it's if it's one of those two or or a bit different. I've got plenty of trust in him, and you know, he's earned that trust at least for a, a few games. So I'm excited to see what what he's thinking, and hopefully, there's no knocks going into going into Saturday. Right? Shall we take some look? They didn't win the Hoover. They didn't win the Pet Hoover, but. Let's let's throw the toaster in and let's throw the shirt still in. Let's throw the shirt still in. Let's so home it. shirt and the beautiful toaster. Um, I'll go first and we'll go with you. I'm going to say. Well, well, well. Before you do that, oh, I, I was incredibly close on on Monday. I said one one. Wolves should have had the penalty and probably would have true. It. it would have been very correct. true. I think. I think we should go with your prediction Ooh. because it's been one game. I've not got okay. it right. Okay. I think, we, I think we give it to you. And okay. Potentially going forward, see how we feel. You know, each week with the poly. Potentially we chop and change it unless someone gets it right. Maybe, right. maybe that's an idea. I'm just throwing All it out right. there. No, no, I like it. I like it. Let, let, let's do that. And let's go with you first, then, Mister Liam so, Gain. I will go for mine first. Now that it's not for the competition, I'll say five nil. Ah, no, here we no, go. I'm joking. Here we go. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I think Wolves. Are, I think <laughs> I think Wolves are going to have. They're going to follow up the performance, and they're going to win two one. Oh wow! I'm going for oh, it. Oh mate, I'll be buzzing for that. I will be buzzing for that. I, I really hope that's the case. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more cagey, and I'm going to say that for the money, for the um, for the quote tweeting, for the tweeting, for the retweeting, to get yourself involved, Liam will let you know who's the winner. I'm going to say it's going to be Wolverhampton Wanderers one, Brighton Hove Albion one for the money, for all the winnings, for all the presents, for all the marbles. For all the go- all the treasure. Um, I'm abs- I'm terrible at my job. I am terrible at my job. The worst. One hour and forty-five minutes. Incredible. I don't. I don't get it. I. I mean, I, I've got no words. I've got no words. I'm just. I'm ashamed. I'm sorry. I feel dirty, cheap, used, and uh, you can wow. you can throw all your all your um, anger towards me on on social media, and I will definitely eat it up. Um, sorry, but you know there you go. Hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's a part one and a part two show for you, and you get to listen to this before Saturday. Kino, as always, love you to pieces. I'll see you at the press conference tomorrow from me, from Liam. Have a great weekend. Fingers crossed. Three points. Take care. Bye bye. Golden black. You better retreat because we're on the attack. The 
strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack. We're Wolverhampton, we're 